Hawthorne sprung seven changes for the game against the Saints, and while the club couldn't quite get the win, there was plenty to like about the side, including some encouraging signs from the young guns. Yes, there's much to discuss in what will be a short but sweet Hawk Talk podcast this week. My name's Nick Mason, and joining me is my co-host, a man who was entertained by the club's display at Metricon Stadium. G'day, Tiz. Yeah, I enjoyed that performance. Um, got a look at some of the young talent, and yeah, it just looked like a... A new precedent's been set, doesn't it? Absolutely, and when you make seven changes, that speaks volumes. That kind of says, okay, well, this is what we're going to do now. And uh, I thought they rolled with it beautifully. I mean, you don't expect a team to be that competitive and get within uh, striking distance of getting the W when you make that many changes. But I thought we did well, all things considered. Yeah, and congratulations to Damon Greaves on a on an extraordinarily good debut in a... What well, was a pretty um, poor display from the midfield after Warple went off, but Greaves got a great number of touches and disposal efficiency was, it's not as good as Hardwick, but it's bloody close. <laughs> he had 17 touches at 94.1% disposal efficiency. And get this, a team high seven marks, which you wouldn't expect, but there you are. Uh, equal team high six rebound 50s. Four score involvements, one goal assist, which was an absolute beauty, don't you reckon, Tiz? Well, that was his first touch in footy. <laughs> it was. Lovely little pass to Gunston, who went back and slotted it. Two thumbs up, as far as I'm concerned. That was a stellar debut from Damon Greaves. You couldn't have asked for much more. He did show signs in pre-season, didn't he? So it was just excellent to see him come in and, and play his role. He had 429 metres gained. You know, it's just great to see we do have the talent. And uh, I thought St Kilda rested a couple of blokes that they felt they didn't need and they were nearly shown up for it. Speaking of metres gained, how's this for a stat? Our leaders in that area, Day, Greaves and Cousins. And in front of them, just the one player, Brad Hill. Oh yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> Stellar display from the boys, isn't it? And it sort of showed that they were... Uh, spreading it round a bit, weren't they? Indeed they were. I want to highlight the exploits of Will Day since we bring him up. A career-high 21 touches, ran at 76.2% disposal efficiency, an equal team-high 6 rebound 50s. That's along with Greaves there. Uh, do you reckon it's worthy of a rising star, Nom? Yeah, I think that happens this week, don't you? Surely. Surely. He's been... Well, I believe Jacob's been touting it on Twitter that if he were only included in the AFL ratings, that he would definitely be the top scorer for his age. So um, they just keep on moving the bar on him. It's quite strange. <laughs> At least eight games played, all this kind of stuff. But uh, I notice he's included in the squad for the 22 under 22, as is James Warple. Just saying his name makes me angry, Nick. That, what was that <laughs> incident that went absolutely unchallenged by the umpire? And the commentary team. They did not even think to ruminate on it. Or was that too high? Or, gee, what happened to James Warple there? Was that a, a legal act there by the Saints player? They, they didn't even bring it up like it was a possibility. Kicking in danger. Kicking in danger every day of the week. Initially, I was worried about that. But then I thought, oh, he's got him head high. But that, look, I don't know. I, I just think it was poor for... For A, not to be called, but B, just not even mentioned for what it was. It looked horrible. And clearly it was horrible. He sustained a 
pretty severe injury to his AC joint. Uh, he's done for the season now, James Warple, sadly. He's returned to Melbourne for surgery. We heard from Graham Wright, who explained the situation today. James and his club doctors decided it was in his best interest to undergo surgery as quickly as possible in order to begin his rehabilitation. Given where our season is currently at, the silver lining for us and James is that he'll be fit and firing in time for a return to pre-season training. So uh, there's our PCM winner with an injury. It's uh, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? You can't take a trick uh, at the Hawthorne Football Club. If you're a good player, if you're kicking goals, uh, either literally or figuratively, uh, it doesn't matter. You will sustain an injury eventually. And he was going great guns as well. He was having a great game, 17 touches at 94.1%. Uh, a team high, nine contested possessions. He was our best on ground, basically. Most touches in the first quarter, 10. No one else got anywhere near that, really, so... Um, he was leading, and leading our team well. And, uh, well, I mean, it just fell to Cousins after that, and he played very well. He had 10 scoring involvements. 10 scoring involvements, 5 inside 50s, 4 clearances. Finished with 22 touches at 86.4% disposal efficiency. I thought he's he did very well. He's done very well since he's been back. It's great to see, isn't it? He's really, uh, we've said it before, he seized that opportunity with both hands and doesn't look like slowing down. No, and he was joined by Chad Wingard, who had his best game in a long time. Um, with 20 disposals, although his disposal efficiency was way down at 55, he had a team high eight tackles, with our next best being Luke Bruce or the wayward Luke Bruce, I should say. He uh, couldn't buy a goal for a long time, and he ended up with 2-2 in the end. But as a team, we had an expected uh, score of 75, and we actually ended with 66. So we're lacking confidence in front of goals as well. Now, I thought I should ask you, what did you think of Mitch Lewis's game? I liked Mitch Lewis's game. I don't think the stats say much for his game, but you just got the sense that maybe his mojo was finally back. It just seemed to click a bit more for him this week. Well, I thought he presented well for most of the day. I noticed his pressure points were almost non-existent, but um, the bloke that really stood up in that regard was Chad Wingard with 57 pressure points, which is huge. No one else, apart from Jack Steele, 65, really got within a bull's roar of that for us. So it was he was really switched on, Wingard, and I can't believe we haven't seen more of him in the middle, to be quite honest. It looks like that's what they're trying to do with him all of a sudden, which is, uh, well, for mine, long overdue. It seems to be uh, reaping the benefits for us. But circling back around to Mitch Lewis, um, he's not the guy that you need the pressure points from. I mean, it would be nice, but that's left to the small brigade, isn't it, Tiz, surely? Well, I just wonder if they said, forget about the rest of the game, just present and, and mark and do what you can there. I noticed Tim O'Brien was very good on his metres gained this week, which isn't something we normally see from him, but his pressure points were below his average as well. So maybe they're just trying to uh, streamline their thought process there, not asking so much. Just get back to basics. Uh, Tim O'Brien, he, he had a very uh, prolific first half, it must be said. Only the seven touches uh, by the end of the game, but registered five pretty valuable marks, and he's called glimpses for a reason, Tiz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was as frustrating as, as ever, really, early on, and then he took, a, he took a nice mark. I thought Mitch Lewis's 
Uh, Big Mark was pretty damn awesome at the start of the third quarter. Couldn't uh, finish the goal. The wind took it, but uh, good signs. Of course, the forward line did look a bit different this week because we played uh, Blake Hardwick as a forward pocket, which I guess was accommodating for Greaves being in the team. Greaves played Hardwick's usual role of the small defender, and we moved Hardwick down to the forward pocket. Uh, how do you think that went? Uh, went well until they worked out how to play on him. <laughs> so uh, es- essentially, to summarise, it went well until it didn't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but he, he gave us some good uh, efforts on the inside, I thought. His, his attack of the contest remained unchanged. And I think he punched it forward in one scoring chain and he had four score involvement. So it, nice goal as well. So if he wants to play there, I think Greaves could keep him up the field there. He's certainly a lovely kick for goal. It's something worth persisting with. You know, it's nice to know that we have that in our arsenal, in our toolkit. We can just deploy that if we need to. Yeah, that's the kind of experimentation we want to see. Exactly right. Uh, the other small forward, uh, Josh Morris, uh, back in the team, Still pretty green, it must be said. Uh, four touches for the game. Granted, he had only 60% game time. Warple was the only Hawk with less. So, look, I'll concede that, you know, he, he didn't quite have the same opportunity as some of the other boys. But uh, He pulled a calf at one point, I remember. Oh, did he? Oh, that completely slipped my mind. There you go. Yeah, and didn't get a touch in the final quarter there. But, uh, it, you know, it didn't see much from him. Um, seemed to be having one of those games where he couldn't get near it. So, but that happens as a young lad, and uh, he's still very young. Oh yeah, got to keep in mind what's that? His third, fourth game or something? It's still very early days, so I'm not that worried. Uh, I, I mean, this is the kind of game where, I, for a loss, I kind of enjoyed it. Like I, I was entertained by it, I was pleased by what I saw. I had trouble extracting too many negatives from it. I don't know if that was the same for you. Oh well, let's go to your favourite pinata. Jonathan Segler. What did, you, what did you think? Mate, he only gave away one free the entire day. And he got one as well. He even up the ledger. So, uh, yeah, I thought Segler played one of his better games in the absence of McAvoy, which is stunning. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, he um, that was one of his better games, wasn't it? It was. He was taking marks around the ground and uh, he was getting contested and uncontested possessions. Uh, he usually doesn't find space to himself, but I thought that was excellent. Um, eight scoring involvements in the end, and there was a wonderful tap from the centre for the clearance back over his shoulder um, that just oozed class. So uh, good signs from him, and something that I'm you know, very happy to see. Yeah, me too. I, I really saw no great reason to be critical of Segler this week. He didn't really serve anything up that... I really notably hated. One thing I will praise him for, actually, is uh, he looked at the ball in the ruck contest. <laughs> yeah. And it's incredible what can happen when you do, Tiz. Yeah, I think you need to be a bit more, uh, what's the word, conceited. Just play your own game in the ruck, really. Don't worry about the other fellow when you're as tall as Segler and you've got the reach and the tap work that we know he can do. Um, the other bloke I wanted to highlight was... Um, Dylan Moore, mm. who scored an extraordinary goal, and uh, I really enjoyed that. That got me up and about. But he also had five contested possessions. So although he only had six touches for the game and went missing for large portions, um, it was encouraging from a bloke we haven't seen for a very long time. That's right. That's fine on return, I think. And you've got to consider that the most experience he's had leading up to this has been those scratch matches 
which I, I'm not convinced that says a lot about, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's quite uh, the emulation that teams would like it to be. Say, like what you get in the VFL. It's not going to be a good initiation back to senior level. So, look, I think he did fine. And I've got to say, that goal, that was... Uh, that was one of our best all year. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I'm going to nominate two blokes for a rest. And uh, they would be Giath and, this won't shock you, but Morrison, who got a lot of it, but um, he got 14 touches in the end, but there are a couple of shocking clangers. I would agree with CJ, yep. Uh, I like his game still, and I think he's going to be a pretty special player for us. But uh, yeah, it's it's time. Give him a spell. As for Morrison... Uh, like I said, a little bit of trouble for me extracting too many too many negatives personally from this game, but Harry Morrison really drove me up the wall. There's it, just uh, too many deer in headlights moments uh, where he just turns the ball over and it kills us. Uh, it's just it was a really bad day for him for those. It wasn't so much that they were just poor percentage plays a couple of times, and because I know there were clangers from both Frawley and Frost that were just as bad, if not worse, because they were closer to goal. But, yeah, the Morrison ones were just poorly thought out, and it was quite obvious, even sitting at home, that that wasn't the option to take. Well, I mean, Morrison effectively shut the door on the contest. Uh, Him and Frost. Because Morrison centres that footy, the Saints surge forward, and fortunately enough for us, they only kicked it behind. But then the ball is in the hand of Frost, who's like, okay, I'm just going to roll the dice here, and Miss kicks it, How doesn't have a chance... Um, and then the game's over a split second later. So, I, I don't know. But these things happen when you're not playing well, don't they? It's uh, There's a little bit of a disconnect, and the young need a split second of hesitation. I know uh, Bruce kicked into the man on the mark at the end of the first quarter when Ryder was quite clearly over the mark. wasn't <laughs> picked up. It's been a very... Was that Mo- Mollison again? There's some there's some anomalies in the free kick count now. It's getting a little ridiculous. That one that I highlighted on our socials, Tiz, the one with Liam Shields tackling Butler, I couldn't believe it. As much as everyone went crazy at the Warple one, I could not believe that Liam Shields wasn't paid a free for that. And then he screamed it at the umpire, pay holding the ball, didn't he? Yeah, I'm glad the mics picked it up. Because Liam Shields in that moment was every single Hawthorne fan around the world. That was awful. <laughs> now, this is interesting. No frees were paid in defensive 50 for either side. Really? Yeah. That's incredibly unusual. I mean, we can't usually buy a free in defensive 50, but for St Kilda not be able to buy a free as well is strange. Now, are we going to talk about the post-match? Because we heard from Matthew, who hit us up at Hawk Talk Pod. Uh, what has been Clarko's media strategy over the last few weeks? Uh, I would say diversionary tactics. Um, nothing to see here. Look over there. Uh, <laughs> I know it's been characterised as whinging. It certainly hasn't been whinge-free, but um, he wasn't whinging about how St Kilda approached the game. He's just showing how they approached the game and questioning whether that would be effective as a final strategy, um, which is, is fair enough. And and Ratton sort of told him to mind his own business, um, which which he can, but the journalist presented it as far worse than Clarko intended, I felt. Well, here's the thing about press conferences, Tiz. Basically, the coach sits down, and the media in attendance ask him, uh, hey, Clarko, what do you think of the game? How was it won and lost? And then he tells you. And then you've got a, a series of journalists all lining up to go, 
nah, I disagree, mate. You're whinging. It's like, okay, well, would you rather not do this? Would you rather not have the press conferences? Because he's going to talk about the game if you ask him about the game. He's going to tell you what St Kilda did that was effective. And he's going to speculate, well, you know, is that going to be enough to win a fight? And these are all legitimate questions. And I'll tell you why they're legitimate questions. Because not one person, not one so-called expert in the footy media right now has the Saints tipped as a legitimate finals threat. Oh yeah, they'll play finals footy most likely. But they're not winning the flag as far as any of those guys are concerned. So it's very rich of them to come out and say, oh, Clarko's whinging. You agree with him. You just don't know it. That is the sad part. You agree that St Kilda's not playing a brand that's going to get the job done and Clarko said as much and then you took it out on him. It is ludicrous. And he's been right to complain about some of the fog that's going on around list management and and how many people have had to be cut off the club's payroll and all that kind of stuff. These are frustrations for everybody and um, just because he's the only one voicing them doesn't mean he's the he's the lone winger. I'm sure these points are being made behind closed doors many, many times. It's the thing that no one on SEN, Fox Footy, Channel 7, no one will ever mention the fact that Clarko has actually been 100% right. In all of these so-called like tirades or whingers that he's had, he's been on the money every single time. The umpiring, when he brought it up, he was right to, because it still sucks, clearly. Like, lo and behold, the, the dial hasn't shifted anywhere with that it's the umpiring is still abhorrent and everyone knows it that's only apparent in hawthorne games it's pretty well managed in the other ones but go on papley the other one uh clearly he was staging we know that now that was proved and uh i think he has a very fair point talking about the lack of communication from the league to identify what the strategy is going forward that is a valid concern not just for hawthorne although it does it would benefit us in our rebuild uh, it is a valid concern for all clubs. Everyone should know what they're meant to be doing in 2021. And I can't wait for him to be proven correct on uh, Geelong ain't that good. His track record has been superb. Just because he's been outspoken doesn't mean he's wrong. And I know people are used to saying that with uh, with Jeff Kennett, who has a remarkable track record the other way. But <laughs> for Alistair Clarkson, he's done pretty well for himself this year. But we were talking about the departures off the list last week and how they should be celebrated and announced and... Uh, those players should be recognised next year or at the soonest moment possible. But there's a lot of people, due to the soft cap being uh, lessened, that are going to have to leave the club. That's right. It was announced, uh, this comes from hawthornefc.com.au today, uh, following the announcement of a heavily decreased soft cap in 2021 and beyond, the club has parted ways with Damian Carroll, Max Bailey, Mark Gabello, Torren Baker and Brett Deledio. And uh, Graham Wright said it was incredibly tough to say goodbye to so many great Hawthorne people, but unfortunately, due to the decreases in the soft cap, some difficult decisions needed to be made. And I like this quote from Wrighty coming up. Uh, Over the past month, he says... We have had to make very difficult decisions regarding good Hawthorne people. Each of these people have departed our club at no fault of their own, and all of them will be an amazing asset to any organisation. Damien, Marco, Max, Torren and Brett all have tremendous values, exceptional skills, and our club is a better place for them having worked there. Yeah, so that's awfully tough. Not only on those individuals, but on the planning that goes into bringing those people into the club. Yeah, I think it is really tough and uh, really well spoken there from Wrighty. I think he he did a great job um, navigating what is obviously a tough situation and emphasising that we don't want to be doing this. (laughs) And I think that's important for the people 
letting go, it's important for them to know that and have it on the record that for up to Hawthorne, this wouldn't be happening. But this is the situation that the club's in. So on to some questions, Nick. This is uh, the second last time we get to do the miscellaneous listener questions for the season proper. <laughs> yeah, until we, till we uh, transition into the off-season, of course. <laughs> We're not done this year yet, mate. We might take a week off, to be fair, but uh, we heard from Jane at Hook Talk Pod. There's the potential for next year to not look much different from this year with regards to clubs and the AFL trying to keep the comp running. So what if we can't go back to normal training practices? What does that mean for the club and how clerks and coaches? Well, into the heavy stuff early, Nick. Um... (laughs) Well, I included it because it's a great question, is it not? Well, I don't think there's a lot you can do apart from antiviral footballs and uh, going around in their own sort of oxygen tents. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be strange. I mean, the, the 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 games will be full length again. There'll be a strata involving the VFL, so the young players will get some development. But having such a smaller list is going to make it tough. Um, the rotations will have to be made with less able talent, so you're going to have to have a... Uh, um, well, you're going to have to have a far less technically gifted game plan. You can't rely on skills if if Jane's correct in saying that we're just not going to be able to have the uh, the training practices that create cohesion in the side. Something else that Jane's spot on about here is um, I don't think it is going to look much different in the in the sense that in 2021, much in the same way as 2020 demonstrated this for every single team it is really adapt or perish this off season is going to be massive and that's why it's imperative that the afl start communicating properly and let everyone know what's actually ahead of them and what their plans are and what they intend to to roll out and and stick to as, as best as they possibly can um if teams don't get on board with that as quickly as possible the next season will be a write-off as well if it is this bad next year can we really have such a compromised game again? Like, would the players even agree to play? There's too much money, mate. It's it's going to go ahead one way or another. If, if we know anything by the end of this season, the AFL will do whatever they can to keep the comp alive. Yeah, it's true. It almost doesn't matter which form it takes. Like, where do you want to play the games? What time do you want to play them? We'll, do, we'll go anywhere, anytime. To be honest, I felt when all this started really hyping up, that this was the time for AFLX. I was just thinking that, yeah. If there was ever a moment, this year was the <laughs> AFLX Premiership year, and they scribbed it. They should have gone with it. Yeah, I mean, as much as I loathe that concept and the competition, I feel that you're on the money. I feel that you're correct in saying that. It would have been the ideal year for it, but, oh well. We heard from Dino, uh, who wants to talk about our midfield situation. He wants to know, what are we trotting out next season come round one? I know I have a few ideas about this. Yeah, we're we going to the trade table to um, trade out a draft pick for a ready-made midfielder. No, that is the stuff of nightmares at this point. No, <laughs> I will not. Well, that's the only way you're going to see significant change, I feel. No, no, come on. Let's let's not have that. I, I'm talking about the uh, continued development of James Cousins is something I look forward to. Uh, Jones will be back by then, fit and healthy. So I, I don't know about round one, but... Uh, They're all very similar players, though. We need a dynamic burst player. You're saying maybe someone like young, 19-year-old, rhymes with Min for Guinness? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's a running machine. Um 
I'm not sure how quick he is, to be honest, because I haven't really seen any of his any of his games since he's put some weight on, which, you know, he has obviously done. He's looking pretty mint. So, um, I don't know. We've uh, There's rumours about a, a couple of uh, midfielders on the list being access to requirements and maybe put up for trade. I saw Jordan Lewis was talking about letting uh, Gunston go or letting... Um, Bruce go if they wanted to go is how he termed it, um, but but Liam Shields uh, went without mention in Lewis's little tirade. So yeah, I feel sure he's also earned whatever ridiculous thing he's trying to suggest that they may be able to leave the club, having earned the right to leave, which is an odd concept. There's a word for this in the media game, mate. Padding. <laughs> it's padding, is it? Yeah. I th- I just feel he's overcompensating sometimes, Lewis, don't you? He's just trying to not seem like an old Hawthorne legend, which in there, uh, you know, indubitably is. He's playing the media game perfectly. I don't know what it is. I don't know what his end goal is, but he's firmly entrenching himself as a, a Kane Corns light. You know, he's kind of the next wave of that sort of media personality. And it's uh, deeply frustrating. But on the other hand, you got to pay it. Like, he, he is playing this superbly, and hats off. Really annoying, Jordan. Well done. And putting it from the player's point of view as well, you know, that it's their <laughs> yeah. earned right um, just makes What it... was this on? Was it on SEN or Fox or... One of the things he's on. He's on everywhere, Geordie, now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like, one of their primary partners is like, all right, Jordan, just uh, make it quick, mate. Say whatever you want, and then we'll get to promoting more Pataki hams, eh? <laughs> That's basically what it is. It's just... And you think it's bad now. You wait to the off-season. It's going to be absolutely horrendous. So the difference, if we're going to find any, in the midfield next year will be the outside run. Yeah. That's what we need. Some change of pace. I absolutely agree. We had a question on this from Woz at Hawk Talk Pod. What's our go-to wing plan in two years' time? And he puts forth uh, Downey and Finn, which is, you know, that's a start. But it did make me think, you know, Woz is onto something here because Hendo will probably drop off the list at the end of this year. Uh, post-season. Smith is gone. Yeah, Smith will be gone as well. By and, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. by then. Uh, and then you start to wonder, gee, who's playing wing at Hawthorne? Well, Scully's still there. Yeah, but that's one bloke. Like, we kind of need a bit of depth there, you know? Do you reckon we could tell O'Meara to lose the biceps and just put him loose on the wing? I don't think the women and homosexual men will abide by that, personally. <laughs> I don't want to see him lose them. So, well, I think Amira would be good on the wing if he could only move a little bit quicker. I think he needs some relief, um, and if he can go to the outside, he's a good distributor. I'd love to see him doing that. We seem to have a surplus of backmen and half-back flankers, so it might squeeze CJ into a different position. And as as always, I'm a broken record, Tiz. Let's put CJ on the wing. Pick a guy that can run and run all day and pressure well, and I, I just want to see it. I think there's a spot for him there. I hope that's something they entertain. So Stewie Bros asked about the ruck, and uh, Segler didn't provide any answers, but he certainly provided more questions. <laughs> what is the future of Ben McAvoy? Big boy being 31 years old and obviously still playing well, but, you know, Stewie Bro hit us up, and he does raise the point that you know, we do have to have options going forward because there will be a time where McAvoy is ready to retire and we can't rely on him. Uh, he points out that Segler's 29, been exposed a bit this year. Well, my word, has he ever in some in some games. 
Uh, wouldn't be upset if you moved on. Well, Stewie, bro, uh, we need to mention once again the uh, the contract that he's on. That we signed him to three years in September last year. So, oh, I'm tugging my collar. If he is moved on, he certainly has to be traded for. True, but I, I wonder about the likelihood of that happening, don't you? No, we're not going to leave ourselves without a ruckman. We're not Geelong. So Reeves is on the list at 208 centimetres and Stewie Bro says, hard to judge with no VFL, but is he any good? Well, honestly, we don't know, but he's certainly very tall. <laughs> Given a potential fire sale at the Crows, could Riley O'Brien be tempted? Well, I think he's about their only ruck on the list too, isn't he? So he's probably about the only one that doesn't have a for sale sign <laughs> i think you might be right about that with adelaide um i mean that's all fantastic questions from stewie bro i think he's analyzed our ruck division pretty well uh basically if you want to change this you've got to trade for a ruckman that's all this means and uh, we do have another ruck on the list of course keegan brooksby so uh, he provides some depth there i didn't think he was too bad when he had that game? It wasn't too bad, but again, it's the age profile. Was he 30, 31? I think he's that old from memory. So I, I just... Uh, to have a young Ruckman that's ready-made, eh? <laughs> I, I wish we knew how Reeves was going. Because as you say, he's bloody tall. And that's his number one advantage as far as we can tell. Because we simply haven't seen him much. It'd be nice to have the VFL back next year and get a look at him. When he does get the football, he's very clean at disposal. I remember noticing that last year. But um, not a pro- prolific ball winner. We've talked about the other lines. Let's move our focus to the forward line now. We heard from Mal. Can we have Ben Brown, please? We do well with full forwards from Tasmania. Now, you're a keen North watcher, Nick. <laughs> what are they doing with Ben Brown? They're just not playing him. And he seems like he's ready and fit to go. So no one's calling out the tanking. So what's really going on down at Arden Street? Don't know. Don't care. We'll take Ben Brown, sure, for a packet of chips. Or what, what's he uncontracted? Is he going to walk out or what? You've got to take Polek with him in any exchange. <laughs> well, they don't seem interested in playing him either. <laughs> Yeah, but he he demanded selection after he went and played for the Pies. Did you see that in the scrimmage? That was good. Do we want Ben Brown? He's 28. I think he's turning 28 soon, so... Nearly won a Coleman with a terrible team. My problem with the whole Ben Brown thing is you, you kind of... There's only so many tall... Big forwards you can play, and I feel he'd be pinching a spot from you know, Lewis or O'Brien or Jekka uh, in due course. Yeah, that's not a good argument. <laughs> if Ben Brown can honestly get a spot away from Tim O'Brien, you could count the cares I give. Okay, well, yeah, maybe I misspoke there. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, there's no there's no real competition for those big spots in our side. I refuse to think it's the talent. I, I'm sure it's the system and the game plan. I really, I hope we can work something out and troubleshoot it over the off-season. God, my fingers are firmly crossed for that. Speaking of the forward line, we heard from Tom. Mitchie Lewis looked a real focal point for us on Sunday. Do we bring someone in with this trade period to partner him or stick with Pado and T.O.B.? So a very squarely related question to what we were just talking about. Uh, no, we'll probably stick with that formation. I think it's got to evolve unless we get Tex or Big Ben Brown. That's about it. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a priority for the club. I'd be shocked if it was. Uh, now we heard from Peter as well. Uh, I know we're looking at a boy named Connor Downey, but what sort of player should we chase? 
don't mention that the draft is compromised or the white noise will befall Clarko. <laughs> Look, uh, there's a couple of decent forwards um, that will probably be turned into a very able backman that we can bring to the club. <laughs> As is our want. That is the trend. What's his name? Phil Thorpe? That's the, I think, is the one that we'd probably end up with, just from what I've been reading. So, um, But we'll do a whole episode on the draft breakdown and exactly how many picks we'll be taking and and if indeed we can find a way to get two in the ten. Um, mind you, it falls off markedly from about pick seven, so you've got to be careful. What type of player? Let's address this in very broad terms because I'm thinking what type of player uh, I, I'm looking at uh, outside runners and, yeah, uh, uh, as we discussed before, I'd be interested to see if we could get a ruck, but... I don't know. Could I just put up my hand and ask for a footballer's footballer? I think like we've recruited some of the glitzy and glamour-like players from other clubs recently, and I just want someone akin to Shields who turns up every week and just gets it done. I wouldn't mind a um, you know, rough as guts, brutal bastard in in the vein of Campbell Brown. Just the, the bludgeons the opposition every week. Or someone like Ruffy, who's just got that physical presence and rolls into the midfield and all of a sudden there's just enough space for Mitchell to get around and do what he wants to do. We heard from Richard too. Uh, does Poppy get a final game? No. Yeah, look, I'm inclined to agree. I'm not sure it happens, but then, I don't know, it'd be nice for him, I guess. I'm just not sure. I, I think the club's finally turned that corner now. I, they, they were saying that they had, but I think they actually have now, so I'm not sure he gets that final game. And our last listener question here in the miscellaneous listener questions section of the pod, Tiz, uh, Hutch hit us up. Hey, guys, put on your tinfoil hat and look at this. Just one more little way we've been screwed this year. Twice this season he's worked out. We've had an advantage coming off a longer break compared to our opponents. On four occasions, we've had an equal break between games. On eight occasions, we've been at a disadvantage. And uh, we've had the Gold Coast fixture released today. We're playing a Sunday afternoon game for our final one of the season. Uh, our rest day differential, I believe, sits at a negative twelve days. <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous. Is that one of the, is that the worst in the comp? I'm not sure. It'd have to be. Have to be one of the worst. So we will actually be at an advantage uh, going into the last round. Yeah, when Hutch hit us up, he had negative 13 and then the announcement of that fixture for the final game brought it to negative 12 right <laughs> so yeah it's pretty bad well i mean it's not going to affect the result this year for us we haven't played well enough but if we don't get a much nicer fixture next year we should seriously consider rebadging the club and starting a new league because <laughs> all they own are the colours and the names so I'm thinking the HFCFL <laughs> HFCFL yeah no matter what happens we win it's not that different from how it's going I mean a premiership every decade since the 60s we always win eventually but it's an it's an excellent study and uh, that's the kind of thing I do each year before we begin that's right the ghost fixture it does bear out the ghost fixture ring does bear out, especially if you get um, a really good side playing your opposition the week before you do and they give them an absolute pummeling. Um, you can really benefit from that. 
Hawthorne versus the Western Bulldogs. That's what we've got this week. Our penultimate game for the season at Adelaide Oval, 3.35pm on Sunday. Now, some eyebrow-raising emergencies for the Saints game, Tiz, that we noticed. Uh, Finn McGuinness was there, Cozzy, Ross, and your boy Nash. Now, is that a cue for what to expect this week, do you think? Oh, I hope so. But I imagine Burgoyne is back again this week, having been managed. So there'll be three changes, I would forecast. There'll be Warple, Giath, and Morrison. We spoke about them before, but I also suspect that Stratton will come back into the lineup, don't you? I don't know. I mean, he wasn't managed, per se. It was deemed an injury. They could probably get away with keeping him out. And the other person that... Seems to be, but I wouldn't imagine they would make available is uh, Jager O'Meara. Yeah, I, I hope they don't bring in O'Meara because, uh, well, because of this next question that we uh, that we got from Tom at Hawk Talk Pod. With Warple's injury, surely, surely it's time. I agree. Ross is an absolute <laughs> must I'm just saying if they bring O'Meara in, then they're not going to play Finn McGuinness, right? Let's look at the game. The, the dogs have been playing pretty well. Um... They tend to take it easy every now and again when they feel like they can and they get found out for it. Um, they played pretty well against West Coast. West Coast looked like they just couldn't get it together. But I can't see us winning, so I think it is time for us to blood Finn. And I want to see him. I want to see him streaming down the wing at full pace and delivering it to Mitch Lewis Lace out. And that's enough. He can go back to the bench after that. I don't mind. But um, <laughs> if we were also to see Cozzy, I didn't think Frost had a very good game. But uh, if we see Cozzy come in, that could be interesting. And uh, I thought we'd seen all that we were going to see of Nash. But uh, being put on the emergencies gives me hope. Of course, Glass fell out last week. So he might come back if they're still doing their rotation policy. And... Um, It'd be fantastic to see Ross in the forward pocket there. I'd be happy for all those guys that, that we mentioned on the emergency list. If they all got a run, including Nash, I'd be excited. I mean, I found it very entertaining watching us run again, run out against the Saints and seeing those guys. And, you know, it just shows what happens. You give Greaves his moment, you give him his debut, and he was delightful. And I think you could have Jager O'Meara and Finn in the side this week um, because basically... The dogs are all midfielders, very, very strong midfield, and a huge number of rotations. So Now, I had a sneaky suspicion that we might come close to winning against the Saints, and obviously it wasn't to be, but thought we put up a good show. What's your thoughts on this week against the dogs? Um, I don't think the dogs fear anything from Hawthorne. They've had the wood over us for, for quite some time now. They, they play a game plan that doesn't agree with our structures, so... Uh, yeah, they'd be looking to score a bit more heavily this week. I thought they were thwarted by their own efforts in front of goal. So um, if they convert better than last week, as they probably will, let's face it, it's that kind of year, um, we won't have the men on the park to, to match them. But maybe I'm being a little bit defeatist. It's not the most positive environment down here at the moment. No, I mean, look, you say that we don't have the men to match them, but Durnham... What was that? Yeah. Durnham. That's not me, Tiz. I saw Durnham. Durnham, Durnham, Durnham. Uh, you just never know. You just never know what can happen. Do you reckon we could hire a bugler? Stole one from Metricon Stadium, I think. 
now whenever the Suns kick a goal, there's nothing. <laughs> that was a deep cut. And we've got them to look forward to, so that's a that's a winnable game. And, and, and tonight, I think Adelaide are putting out their best efforts, um, trying to get off the bottom of the ladder, even though it's almost completely impossible, isn't it? I think it is impossible, yeah. So they've just beaten the Giants by two goals, which... Um, now makes our game against the Giants look absolutely shocking. <laughs> I tell you what it does do, and this is a side. This is, we were talking about the tinfoil hat from Hutch earlier, but my goodness, if the AFL aren't trying to get Alistair Clarkson to GWS, I would be very, very shocked. Unfortunately, you know what uh, buries that theory? It's the fact that the Giants just extended Leon Cameron's contract. Did they actually do it? That is madness. I thought they'd just be talking about it. This comes from foxsports.com.au. When was this published? I'll just scroll up. September 2nd. On Tuesday, both parties signed off on a deal that secures Cameron to the Giants until at least the end of 2023. All right, scratch that. Let's just cut all that. And uh, Melbourne. (laughs) The AFL are trying to get Alistair to Melbourne after. And what is a choice moment from all the presses this year is when Goodwin said... We've got to be more ruthless as a club. I don't know how they all resisted the slow clap at that point because he's been there for six seasons. <laughs> I've said it before on Twitter. They should call him Simon Badloss. That was a deplorable effort. And I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I know you did, mate. I know you did. Hey, uh, we'd better wrap this one up. It's already gone a bit longer than we thought it was going to, but that's kind of the way the podcast goes. We just have too much fun with it. Uh, another week, another lovely review on Apple Podcasts. We noticed uh, this one from Sean D. Gregorio. Uh, he writes, A weekly dose of Hawks-focused chat, analysis, reviews, predictions, and opinions. Always well-weighted across all topics, Hawks, and the lads aren't the type to pull their punches. Recommend. And he left us five stars, Tiz. Thanks, Sean. And uh, you've been doing well on the uh, on the Twitterati's, Nick. Yeah, cheers. I appreciate that. Uh, it was pretty good against the Saints. I-, I felt like the entire community, although the team did have a loss, was kind of upbeat. We uh, we all collectively uh, plucked the positives out of that game together. It was just a, a really good vibe all round. Uh, make sure you join us over there on Twitter. It's a lot of fun at Hawk Talk Pod. And uh, you can join us on Facebook as well, where uh, Hawks fans are getting around us. We love to see that. Facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. And Patreon. If you really want to support our show, you can head to Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod and subscribe. Sign up with us. Uh, I just released on there a Dear Diary mini-sode, which is based on a blog entry that I made uh, in October 2015. I uh, went back to that. I revisited it. And uh, I did a, an audiobook-style recording of uh of my thoughts back then so you sign up and you listen to that and i think it's good fun it's how long does it run for nick it's only about 10 minutes it's short but i mean if you sign up you get all our other bonus episodes as well it's a perfect amount of time for a story before bedtime that's that's (laughs) (laughs) with your dulcet tones yeah i really give it my best in that recording how many takes nick how many takes only one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Only need one. Oh, my goodness. 
If if you actually put out some of the stuff that's hit the cutting room floor, oh, <laughs> I've got to say, listeners, like there's quite a lot that is magnificent that's on the cutting room floor over the years. We've been doing this about four years now, and some of it is absolutely golden. So I don't know if it ever gets to the point where, for whatever reason, we can't do this anymore. Um, I might go back through the archives and see what I can find and trash the brand. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you're looking at me like. Please don't. <laughs> uh, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about the club, mate. Two games left, then we hit the off-season. We'll take a bit of a break after that, and then we'll get into the trade stuff and the draft stuff, and a uh, bit of life left in the year yet, as far as this podcast is concerned. But in terms of the season proper, two games left. How are you feeling? Good. I was listening to Will Day when they asked him how it felt out on the ground, and, and he was talking about the energy levels that the young players were giving to the contest, and and um, also how it lifted up some of the older players. So that's exactly the focus we need. And for a young man like that, um, who should hopefully be presented with a nomination for the Rising Star this week, that's the future right there. I think that's a fantastic place to leave it. Me personally, I'm really psyched to see our game against the Bulldogs. I want to see some good selections. I want to see my boy Finn McGuinness. I want to see him delivering to Mitch Lewis, as we mentioned earlier in the episode. Plenty to look forward to. This has been the Hawk Talk Podcast, and we are a happy team at Hawthorne.